Good morning. How are you guys doing? My name is Drew Phillips. I'm the associate pastor here at Calvary, which means one of the things that I get to do is I get to be up here uh, about once a month and uh, to preach, which I'm super excited about today, excited about the message. Uh, today I have the opportunity to wrap up our series, Behind the Sundays. And one of the reasons that we did this series is there's a lot of things that we do on a regular basis, in particular that we do here on Sundays, that sometimes we can either not understand why we continue to do them, or we lose um, focus on why we do them. And so because of that, we just wanted to pause for a little bit, take a step back, and say, why do we do what we do? And so the first week we talked about gathering. Why do we gather? Why is it important for God's people to be together? And then the next week, um, Chris had an opportunity to talk about worship, in particular singing, and why it's important for us to sing, and what it looks like, how, the process that he goes through in picking songs for us to sing, and the biblical, historical, and practical basis for that. Last week we got to see a baptism, and then we also got to talk about the importance of baptism and why that's important for us here at Calvary and why baptism is a central thing and something that we find really valuable. And then this week I have the opportunity to talk about prayer and the importance of prayer in our gathering that we have here on a Sunday morning. And when it comes to the topic of prayer, there's about what I felt like 15 different directions that I could have went and so really to try to decipher and spend time in prayer, deciding, okay, God, what do you have for us? What direction would you like us to go? Um, one of the things that came very evident, that if we're going to talk about prayer, then we should probably start with prayer corporately. And so occasionally, over the last several years, we have paused and prayed for things that are going around in our world and in our country. And as I was preparing for this this week, one of the things that happened was in Texas and the tragedy that happened there. And so what I'd like to do before we move further, I'd like to just pause and pray for that. So if you'll join me in prayer, let's pray for the city of, or the town of Uvalde and for Texas. Let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you that we can gather today. We thank you for the freedoms that we have. We thank you uh, just for the sunshine today, Lord. But we recognize that today may not be as sweet or as joyful for some. And we pray right now, we come and partner with the believers, the followers of Jesus in Uvalde, Texas, Lord, and just pray over that entire situation. We pray for the, the families that were involved. We pray for the loss that happens there, Lord. We pray that you would give peace to those who are walking through a very tough time that they would experience your presence in a powerful and a very real way. And Father, we pray for the churches in that town, that today, Lord, that they would be a refuge for those who are mourning, that there would be a place of healing, Lord, that your spirit would do a work and a healing process that we can't understand. And Father, we not only pray for them today, but we pray for them moving forward, Lord, that they would be able to be a light in a very dark place, that they would shine your light, that they would love radically, that they would show hospitality in a way that causes people to think what is different about these people, Lord, and that your spirit would move powerfully through them, through that town, as they begin the healing process now and continue to work through that in days and weeks and months and years to come. So we just pause right now and align ourselves with them. 
We pray, Father, that they would feel the power of your Spirit at this very time. Thank you for your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so as we continue forward today, I'm going to be looking at, a, we're going to look at a lot of different scripture. And so because of that, I wanted to have kind of one anchor verse for us today. So our anchor verse, the thing that we're going to continue to come back to a little bit is going to be this, Colossians 4.2. A couple weeks ago, Chris was in Colossians 3 and talked a little bit about keeping, setting our minds on things above and how we worship and why we sing. And so if we continue on in that, we have Colossians 4.2 that says, Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. Devote yourselves to prayer and stay alert with it in thanksgiving. A little background here. So this church, uh, the Colossian church, Uh, This was a church that Paul did not plant and actually had never visited when he wrote this letter. So this was a a church that his friend had planted and had come to visit Paul while he's in in prison and let him know some of the things that were going on. And this letter was actually one of encouragement because the church in Colossae was doing very well. And so because of that, Paul wanted to continue to encourage them, but also to help them realize what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so as we get towards the end of the letter, we start to see some of these commands or recommendations or practices to put into place so that they could um, follow Jesus um, and be able to put that into practice and make a difference in their community. So one of the things he says is to devote yourselves to prayer and to stay alert with it in thanksgiving. Now also some other context here a little bit. So this letter, like most of the letters that we get in the New Testament, were read out loud to a group of people. Maybe not this large of a group of people, but it would be read out loud to a group of people for a couple different reasons. First of all, usually the initial letter, there was only one of them. Now, if it was really valuable and they thought it was beneficial, they'd write it down several times and they'd copy it and pass it around. But usually the initial reading, there was one copy. And also, not everyone could read. And so because of that, they had to learn by listening. And so just like today, they would have been hearing, and the guy who's, if you continue to read in Colossians, the guy's name is Tychicus. I had to practice that a lot. Tychicus is the guy who is a part of this church that is reading this letter aloud to the people who are gathered there in the church in Colossae. And they are hearing him say, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer and stay alert with thanksgiving. So that meant not only devote yourself to prayer privately, but devote yourself to prayer corporately. What does it look like for us to pray together? Now, when I say praying together or praying out loud or praying with others, sometimes that makes people's hands sweat a little bit, right? Makes you a little bit nervous. You start to get this, maybe this pit in your stomach. Oh, please don't ask me to pray. Please don't ask me to pray. Please don't ask me to pray. Then someone says, hey, it's time to pray. And then all of a sudden, oh no, here we go. And I can remember those feelings. The first time I can remember this was when I was on a missions trip in eighth grade. And me and our youth group had went down to Tennessee to do some work down there. And in this, again, I was an eighth grader, but there was also high schoolers who were on this trip. And I can remember my youth pastor asking me to pray over the evening meal one night. And I can remember the feeling that I had. Oh no, he just asked me to pray. Here I'm an eighth grader, awkward. 
and I want these high schoolers that I think are really cool to think that I'm cool. So I don't want to say anything stupid. I don't want to confuse my words. I don't want to stumble over things. I want to get it just right so they are super impressed with who I am and that they wouldn't think less of me because of the words that are coming out of my mouth. Have we been there before? Now, honestly, I don't remember how that prayer went. I could have stumbled over my words. I could have sounded like an idiot. But the truth of the factor, the truth is, after that, it became a lot easier for me to pray out loud than to pray with others. And that's common for a lot of us, that if there is a certain practice in the way of Jesus that makes us uncomfortable, that calls us out of our comfort zones, that gets our hands a little bit sweaty, if we continue to push through that when God calls us to do so, the easier it's going to become, the more natural it's going to feel. So not only does it become easier, but I think particularly with this practice of prayer, the more that we do it, the more that we practice it together, the more that we experience the power of God through it, the more we want to participate in it with one another. But I do understand. I do understand that it can be difficult. That for some people, praying with others, there are some parts of your personality that this makes it a little bit more challenging. But my encouragement to you would be to push through some of that discomfort, push through some of that, get out of your comfort zone a little bit in order to experience exactly what God has when his people pray together. So as we start to talk about prayer a little bit, I want to set some, uh, some guidelines, do some definitions, things like that, so we're all kind of all on the same page. So this is my definition of prayer, um, and this is one that I've kind of wordsmithed a little bit from some of my favorite authors, Dallas Willard, Eugene Peterson, Brother Lawrence, but this is, this is kind of my working definition of prayer. Prayer is our response to God's stirring in our heart and in our mind. Prayer is our response to God's stirring in our heart and in our mind. Now, let's notice a couple things here, and I like how Peterson puts it, is that when, when, we, when we view prayer through this lens, we don't get the first word. God does. And our prayers are in response to what he is doing in our heart and in our mind. So, when I look at this, one of the things that I notice then is, the reason our prayer life might look different individually is because we come from different contexts, we have experienced different circumstances, and even our setting may be different. So the things that stir my heart, things that stir my mind, may be different than what stirs your heart and your mind. You may be in relationships or have friendships that, you, that God stirs your heart for them, and not necessarily for me, because I don't have those same friendships. But God is already moving. God is working and stirring in our hearts and then also in our minds. And when those things come to place, then we pray. Again, God has the first word. We have the second. Prayer is our response to God's stirring in our heart and in our mind. I also like to talk about a couple of different types of prayers. Now, this is not the entire list. This is four. Um, some scholars say there are nine different types of prayers. I'm not going to debate how many are. We're going to focus on these four that I have today. Um, so the first one, this is supplication. The prayer of supplication. This is where we ask for something. These are requests, things that we want God to do for us. This is probably, if you started praying, this is probably where most of us started. If you have young children, this is probably what you hear a lot when you're praying with them at night. God, do this. God, do that. 
these are requests. These are good things for us to do, but this is one of the things um, that is one of the more basic and one of the first elements of prayer that we have probably learned. This is probably when we're sitting back in kids' ministry. If we were to visit back there right now, we would hear as they pray, praying prayers of supplication. Second is this, prayers of thanksgiving. We see Paul mention that in our anchor verse. We're going to take a look at another one here in a second. But these prayers of thanksgiving, thank you God for this, thank you God for that. Again, one of these entry-level levels of prayer that we have probably all prayed and probably pray most of the time. God, I need this, God help me with this, and thank you for the things that you're doing. Again, these are good things. Paul says, devote yourself to prayer and be alert to thanksgiving. I think a lot of times when it comes to prayer, excuse me, we can be focused on things that we want or things that we want God to do, but we can forget to be thankful for the things that he has already done. And so for us to be thankful, to pray prayers of thanks is important. Next one, and this is one that maybe we're not as familiar with, or maybe you don't even have language or know that you're doing it, but it's one that we do practice, and it's, a pr it's an intercessory prayer. And this is where we ask or we plead on behalf of others. So a lot of times when we have friends or relationships or things that are going on, a lot of times we pray on behalf of others because maybe they can't pray for themselves. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been going through a really difficult and tough time and you're having trouble finding the words to pray. So as the body of believers, corporately, we intercede, for you on, we intercede to God on behalf of you. For me, a lot, this happens early in the morning. So after I've had my time in the Word and I go to prayer, I will say, God, please bring to mind those who you would have me pray for this morning. And I will spend time interceding on their behalf, praying maybe prayers that they can't pray themselves because of the situations that they're in. And that is one of the beautiful pieces of being part of a church family is that we have the op opportunity to pray on behalf of others when they're going through difficult times. That's intercessory prayer. And then finally, the last one I want to talk about today is the breath prayer. And the breath prayer, this is a prayer that's focused focusing our attention or centering on God. So right now, quick poll, how many of you guys are thinking about five other things in the words that are coming out of my mouth? Right? We, we are thinking about a lot of things. We are constantly distracted, and it is hard for us to focus on one thing. So when we come to God in prayer, there is a lot of times that as soon as we start to pray, our mind goes a thousand different directions. And we start getting to the checklist and things we need to get done and this, that, and the other. And before we know it, we are off someplace else and have forgot where our focus should have been. So we actually practiced this during our Good Friday service this year. Practicing this breath prayer, this is a way to use the breath that we have to focus our attention back on God. So for me, the way this looks and the way we practiced it on the good, at good Friday was when I breathe in, I say, be still. And when I breathe out, and know that I am God. And I will just continue that pattern over and over and over again until I settle back in to what God has for me. Till my attention leaves all of my checklist of things that I want to do and I'm able to focus back in on what God has and how he wants to move. It's this breath prayer. It allows us to bring our focus and our attention back to God and the work that he's doing. All right, let's keep moving forward. Jesus talks about prayer a lot, and when he talks about prayer, one of the things he does is he uses it by telling parables. 
So in Luke 18, he tells this parable. It's Luke 18, verse 9. And the parables were stories that he told to help people critically think about a question they may have had. And so this parable he tells um, to a group of people, and he kind of sets the scene here. So Luke 18, starting in verse 9, says this. He, being Jesus, also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. So this is who he's talking to. Those who thought they were righteous, trusted in themselves, and looked down on everybody else. This is the story he tells. Two men went up to the temple to pray, which in the Old Testament is how they do it. They'd go to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, which is like a religious leader. This was the religious elites and a tax collector, bottom of the barrel. Religious elite, bottom of the barrel. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like these other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterous, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of everything that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest, saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus went on, I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other. Because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but those who, humbled, who, those who humbles themselves will be exalted. Jesus is getting at the heart of prayer here. Again, prayer is not about us. Again, you heard the Pharisee's prayer about himself. Thank you that I'm not like all of these other people. Look how high and mighty I am. He exalted himself compared to the tax collector, which I wish he had a better category for being a son or daughter of the king, that he didn't just see himself as a sinner who needed God's mercy. That's true for all of us. But he was humble enough to realize that he needed that. And that should be our posture when we come to prayer, that it's not about us, but it's about God and the work that he wants to do. I think one thing that's interesting in this, too, is, again, we read that Jesus is telling the story for those who trusted more in themselves. And if, you, if we were honest with ourselves and a little bit transparent, when we trust more in ourselves, we probably pray less. But when we are forced to trust God more, we find ourselves praying a lot more. So if we take a bigger view of this then, what does it look like to humble ourselves, to put us in a position where we need to trust God more so that we come to him in prayer instead of just leaning on our own understanding, trusting in ourselves? Because when we get to that place, more often than not, we pray less. Let's continue to look at the way the role of prayer corporately in the early church. So let's go to Acts, right? So Acts 12. So what's happened so far? Jesus has come. He's died. He rose from the grave, ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit has come down. And now the church is starting to grow. And the church is starting to spread. And the Roman officials do not enjoy what's going on. And so they're getting a little bit perturbed. So they want to put an end to this Jesus movement. And so they start persecuting Christians. And just like then that we see now, when you persecute Christians, the church tends to grow more than it shrinks. 
And so with this persecution, one of the things they do in early part of chapter 12 is that they kill um, the apostle James. And this is the brother of John. So the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Revelation. This John, who Jesus loved the most, his brother James was killed by the Romans. So after he was killed, they captured Peter. Because again, Peter was the main mouthpiece for the church at this point. They capture Peter, they put him in prison, and they are planning on killing him the next day. So how does the church respond? The church responds in this moment by praying. And so while Peter is in prison, in the middle of the night, an angel of the Lord comes and visits him, tells him to get up, breaks him his chains, opens the door, allows him to leave, not being seen or touched. And by the time he gets down to kind of the city center, kind of comes to his senses, understand, understands what's going on, he's a little bit foggy, he realizes what has happened. And what is his first response? Well, we read in Acts 12 that his first response was to go to the house of Mary. Now, the house of Mary at this time served as a meeting place for the early church. And what were they doing there in the middle of the night when Peter showed up? They were praying fervently that Peter would be released. When the church of God prays, God moves in powerful ways. And this was really an important time of prayer and Peter again being the main mouthpiece at that point for the early church again he was the rock in which Christ was going to build his church he still had a lot of work to do for the kingdom and so for him to be put to death would not have been a good thing for the church not that God couldn't have continued to move but he wanted to do this through Peter and through the prayers of his church in the middle of the night fervently interceding on behalf of of Peter, he was released and able to continue to do the work that God had called him to do. Fast forward one chapter, Acts 13. We see again the church is gathering in a room, praying and fasting. And as they're praying and fasting during this time, through the work of the Spirit, God sets apart Paul and Barnabas to go on mission. And after it's been confirmed that God has set them apart, they prepare to go out on missionary journeys. And as they go out, they go out together first. They eventually split over an argument, but God still continues to move. And they go through three missionary journeys where they are planting churches all over the area at that point. And the key thing about this is they were planting churches where, and bringing the gospel to people who had not heard the gospel before. These were Gentile churches. Before, and Jesus talks about in his mission, he came to reach the Jews. He came to reach those to realize that they could be followers of him. They could be followers of Jesus. Paul took the message to the Gentiles, those who were not Jews, and started to spread. So the, the, the verses that we see in Colossians, the verses that we see in Philippians, these are verses that we get and letters that we get because Paul went and planted these churches. Because in this missionary, in this time of prayer, when God set them apart as missionaries, it changed the course of history, especially when it comes to the Christian faith. Prayer is a powerful part of the early church. So for us, how does that affect what we do here on Sunday morning? How does that change what we do? Why do we practice prayer here corporately? Well, let's start with what it looks like at first. So before Sunday even happens, 
there's prayers of preparation. So we will pray, pray prayers of preparation. For example, myself, Daniel, who's ever up here speaking, we spend time in prayer asking God, what would you have us share? What truths do, the peop- do, do we all need to hear, and how do you want to move in and through our church? Chris prays over the music and the arc of where we're going in our worship service. Children's ministry teachers and leaders, they spend time praying and for the students and the kids who are going to come and be in their classes that week, that, 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 that God would use them and open up their hearts and their minds of, peop- of these little kids to understand the truth of the gospel. In student community, that happens. The leaders are praying over these students as they go throughout their week and as they come here to gather, that they would be able to share and be a little bit vulnerable about what God is actually doing in their life and be able to grow from that. There are prayers of preparation and order before Sunday even happens. And then when Sunday gets here, if you're not on the worship team or haven't been here before, we have a meeting that happens right over here before the service starts. It's a pre-service meeting just to kind of talk through, okay, what's, what's going to happen? What's going to happen during this time? How are we going to continue to uh, move? And what are the different elements and different things that are going to happen? And that's important, right? We need to know who's going to talk what. The sound guys need to know what microphone we're going to use. But if we're not careful in that, it could just be a strategic planning meeting. But when that meeting is over, we stop and we pause and we pray for the things that God is going to do during the service. Then you get here in service, you sing two songs, and then we have another time of prayer. And then after I'm done preaching, we'll pray again. That happens almost every week. And I want to pause here real quick, and I'm running short on time, so I'm going to try to do this as quickly as I can. But I want to pause here for a moment and talk about this. The reason we do that is, yes, they are prayers of transition, right? They are prayers of transition. We get the band off, we take the band, we get them off the stage, we bring them back on. But the hope of that time of prayer of transition is not so that our production here looks good. But the reason that we do that is so that whatever God is doing in your heart and in your mind at that time, that you don't lose focus. Because let's be honest, let's let's at least start with the first one. So you've come to church this morning. I don't know what your morning looked like, but it was probably a little bit hectic. Maybe you hit your snooze button a couple times. Breakfast wasn't quite ready. If you have little kids, they were trying to get everything together. They argued with you about what they were going to wear. You finally get them in the car, happy with what they hear. You drive here, you get them in. Maybe the printer didn't print at first, so you're trying to get that worked off. You get them into their seats. Once they're in their, once they're in their class, you come here and sit down. And if we're honest, here at Calvary, that means we've probably got here during the second song, right? Let's try to change that. Let's get here a little bit earlier, right? Because this is why. Because, okay, let's say you just get here and it's the first song. Then for you just to kind of settle in, to kind of take a deep breath, to focus back on God, is going to take you a little bit in transition. So then maybe you get to the second song, and now you're, you're finally, your heart is in a place of worship, ready to respond to what God wants to do. And our hope is that you stay there, and through our time of prayer corporately, you're not distracted by what's going on here on stage. You're not distracted by the band members leaving, by one of the pastors coming out getting ready to talk, but you're able to keep your your focus and attention on what God is doing. 
And then someone comes up here, they give a message. Maybe during that time the Holy Spirit's really moving, convicting. Maybe you're learning a lot. God's really teaching you something. And then we get ready to respond in that in the second half of worship. In order to stay with that again, we have a time of prayer to keep our attention on what God is doing. We're not worried about what's coming up next, what song we're going to sing, if they're going to move positions, any of that. We are focused attention on God. So yes, we do have times of prayer of transition, but not transition so that we can look good. Again, transition so it helps you stay connected to what God is doing. After that, we have a time of prayer usually. After we worship there, someone will come out, kind of give some closing announcements. Hey, pay attention to this. This is going on. Sign up for this. Whatever, right? General time for a commercial, let's call it that. But then after that, we move into a time of prayer of blessing as we leave from this place. The old church word for that was the benediction, right? And this was an idea that we want to pray a prayer of blessing as we leave, as the, as the church that is gathered together begins to scatter, that you go out blessed knowing what God is going to do, trusting in him in that different areas that you are going to find yourself this week, that you feel God's blessing and God's presence in that. And then finally, the last aspect of prayer that we have here on Sunday mornings. We've been doing this for a little over a year now. As we have people that are down here ready to pray with you, for you, and over you. And there are some Sundays that people come forward and we have an opportunity to pray. But on most Sundays, this is an area that I feel like as the church body, we do not take advantage of. Let me tell you a little bit. The reason that we are down here and want to pray with you is because we believe that if we are going to follow Jesus, it is best done in the context of community. And if we're going to do that in context of community, that means we have got to allow other people into our lives to what's going on. But most of the time, we are pretty private people. We don't want people to know what's going on. We're probably a little bit of ashamed of some circumstances that are going on in our life. And we maybe would say, maybe you've said this to yourself, I don't want to bother them with my stuff. They have enough stuff going on. Let me speak against that. We do desire to pray with you. We do desire to pray over you and for you, to intercede on your behalf. Maybe you've thought the things, ah, I don't want them to really know what's going on in my life. I'm a little bit ashamed. I can figure it out on my own. That is exactly what the enemy wants you to believe, is that we can do it on our own, that we don't need anybody else. And the reality is we can survive on our own for a little bit, but we can thrive together. So let me encourage you that on any given Sunday, if you're here and there is something that's going on in your life that you would desire and hope to have prayer for, that you would be bold enough to come down and allow us to pray with you. Because we want to be a place where when we pray together, we experience the power of God. And I know that can be intimidating. I know, hey, your kids, if you have kids back in the kids area, they're fine. They're gonna be okay. 
We'll give them an extra five or ten minutes. If it means that we can pray together, that we can experience the love of the Father, that we can experience the power through prayer when we pray together. So I invite you, this week, next week, any week, there are people up here who desire to walk alongside of you and intercede for you on, on your behalf. Allow us to do that. Let's pray. Father, even now as we invite the band up, we go into a time of transition, Lord. My prayer is that how you are working right now in the hearts and in the minds of everyone here, Lord, that they would keep that focus and keep that attention on you, on the work that you are desiring and wanting to do. And Father, as we respond to you in this time of worship, Lord, I pray for an outpouring of your spirit in this place. Father, that we would worship and that we would praise with reckless abandon. Knowing that we are loved, recognizing that we are sinners in need of your mercy, Lord, but we are sons and daughters of the King. And Father, when it comes to prayer, I pray that we would get to the place where we would move past our insecurities, our anxieties, our fears, and that we would step boldly into this idea that when we pray together, mighty things happen. And I pray that even today, Lord, that mighty things would happen when your people would gather together and pray. We trust you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen.